Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. It is Saturday, August 8th. And we did receive from the government the report on July jobs. There were just under 1.8 million positions created during the month of July. And that was probably right in the middle, kind of the consensus. It was such a strange estimate because I saw reports of people who thought that there were going to be job losses in July, maybe up to a million, maybe there were job gains up to 3 million. So this was sort of right in the middle, seemed okay to me. Okay, what else did they tell us? They told us that the unemployment rate, that headline number, 10.2%, down from 11.1%. Good news. The broader unemployment rate, that's the one that, that we like to look at and when we talk about the U6 that rate stands at 16.5%. You know, big numbers, but down, down from the peak of 22.8%. You know, I think that this just tells us what we really know intuitively, and that is that the spread of the virus in the South and the West, now the Midwest, uh, looks like it is slowing down the forward progress. 22 million jobs evaporated in March and April. Then about 7.5 million came online in May and June. I mean, June, 4.8 million jobs. Ridiculous. Huge number. Now we find out 1.8 million. So we know that job growth slowed down some in July. I guess that's okay. I think we just got to keep an eye on the path of the virus. That is going to determine what happens in the economy. Okay. Now you got your data dump. Glad I could do that with you. Let's do something a little different this week. And we're switching gears. We are going to talk to a chef and owner of a restaurant in New York. The restaurant's name is Resdora. The chef's name, the chef co-owner is Stefano Secchi. And I just want to point out that this restaurant, Resdora, got a ton of notoriety just over a year ago. The New York Times restaurant reviewer, Pete Wells, went in there and gave it a rave review. I saw the review. I immediately went. The restaurant is phenomenal. It's obviously not functioning as it once did. So we're going to learn a little bit about Stefano's background, how he got to this place. And then tomorrow we're going to talk about the state of restaurants in New York City and nationally. So Stefano, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm a fan myself. So yeah, it's great to be here without question. Let's wind the clock back. Tell us a little bit about your career and how you came to starting this great restaurant. 
my whole family is from Italia. Um, I'm first generation American. My parents came over to the States um, around 1980. Yeah, it was a very, it's, it was obviously an interesting time because there wasn't many Italian restaurants like there are now, but um, they've always been in the restaurant business, but they came here with nothing. And uh, they originally moved to California. They didn't love it. Um, so they moved down to Texas and Dallas, Texas. And that's where I was actually born of all places. So we spent um, four months out of the year in Italia and the uh, remainder eight months in Dallas going to school uh, ever since I was growing up. So, yeah, I mean, out of high school, I, I went right up to CIA for culinary school. Um, and then uh, I worked in the city for a while. I went back down to, uh, to Dallas at SMU to get uh, an undergrad degree just so I could, you know, have a little bit of background, I guess, on, on the business side, so to speak. And then finally went back to Italia to, to cook for a long time. It changed my life. I guess I kind of got tired of cooking Italian food in the States. So I just moved over there. And Where did you go? Wait, where, where in Italy were you living when you were working there? So I lived in Modena. Um, I just went to Modena because uh, I didn't know anyone, funny enough. Most of my family lives in Lombardia, Milano, and in Sardinia. I got off the train in Modena um, because there was a friend of a friend that let me stay with him for a couple nights. And I kind of, I just went to eat at every trattoria I could. I wanted to find like the best fresh pasta um, that I'd ever tasted really, right? Because I'm pasta wall, like the fresh pasta made with eggs. I must have eaten maybe 20, 30 trattorias for like two weeks. And I ended up walking into this place um, called Austria Giusti, uh, which is in Centro Modena, middle Modena. And um, they have a salumerie in the front and they, and they have four tables in the back of which these four tables, um, I don't know if you're a fan of, there's a show called Master of None on Netflix, but Aziz Ansari actually went there to do an episode. And these four tables are are so difficult to get. They they have you know months in advance for the reservations. But I, I walked up every single day for the better part of two weeks to try and just get a reservation to sit down. And they got tired of me after a while. So I think they just took pity on me. And then and they said I got a reservation once. So what you do is you walk in the saloon where they give you the reservation. You walk behind the counter and below like this really low ceiling past the kitchen into this back room. Um, and there's four tables set up and it's always packed. And I got to sit by myself. And I, I'll never forget this. I had tagliolini con asparagi um, in the springtime. It was tagliolini with fresh asparagus and just like this really yellow butter and parmigiano reggiano. But when I put the tagliolini in my mouth and the texture that I had, that I tasted, I was, I was just blown away. So I ordered five pastas. I had no oh. antipasto. I had no secondi. I had all pasta and lambrusco. And I asked them for reservation for the next day. And then I ate there two more times and I finally asked to do a trail with them or to come work with them. And they first said no. And then, and finally the guy was like, the, the nonna was like, Con, you seem like a genuine guy. Just come back in, um, in July. And I showed up on July 6th. They totally forgot I was coming. And I just started working with the nonnas then. I mean, I, was, I started rolling up pasta matrello. Oh my God. That's the best story. But you want to know the best part of the story? I've been to that restaurant. Have you been? Okay. Yeah, because uh, I was in Modena in 2013, oh. and we went to the the balsamic vinegar place, Asatea di Giorgio, and yes. then we went to lunch at Osteria Giusti. It was a wow. life-changing lunch. Truly, Agreed. truly Agreed. unbelievable. And I think that we were we could have had five pastas, but I was like embarrassed, truly. <laughs> That's like amazing. What is it about the the almost like the gestalt of a restaurant like that that you could bring to the United States and incorporate into this restaurant when you come back here? What was it that was so different? That's such a good question. So the, the interesting thing was 
was this one. And I cooked Italian food all my life. My father's from Italia. Like I, I spent all my time, most of my time in Italy when I was growing up. When you go and like you cook at a place that has been perfecting like tra- the traditions for hundreds of years, it's the oldest Lumeria in all of, of Europe. And you go and see how these things have been made and perfected. It, it's, I used to go with, with Laura Morandi in the morning to um, Turn Mercato Albinelli. We'd go get all the ingredients for lunch. We'd come back and I have to impastare like 15 whole eggs with 1.5 kilos of flour, right? And I'd do mm. everything by hand. And then we would go upstairs Laura, and we would go in, into the pasta room, which is a big wooden board. And you have a big long mattarella, which is like a rolling pin. No machines there. And I would just start rolling out pasta. And I was so bad in the beginning. I mean, awful. Time and time again, day after day, five days a week, uh, I just started learning how. And you you keep the window open to pace, depending on humidity. Um, if you want to let some humidity in or you close it, if it's too dry outside, it's just incredible how those small little nuances make sense. Nuances make sense. So when we were talking about coming back to the States and and just opening a restaurant based on the food of Emilia Romagna, um, I also worked with Massimo at, at Austria Francescana when I was in Modena after I worked with, with Laura. And, and like they're much more contemporary, right? But at the same time, uh, you have to know the tradition of food from Emilia Romagna before you can actually cook with Massimo because he thinks that's very important. So that's what that's what it became. It's like I, I learned to make this food in the most traditional way and that I had never seen ever in the States with like the most amazing ingredients with the Trinity, which is a teta balsamico, um, parmigiano-reggiano, prosciutto di parma. And it, it just, it grew from there. You're also, you're not just the chef, you're one of the owners, right? right. And now you got to go raise the money, right? To go do this. <laughs> How'd you do that? I mean, how many countless dinners with uh, with like wealthy individuals, with like friends of friends, with, I mean, I, I cooked free dinners for two years. Okay, so you opened up when? We're coming on about our year and three month anniversary. So um, if memory serves me right, it was May 10th of, of last year. And you were immediately out of the gate. You get this fantastic Times review, but the restaurant's very small. That's a challenge in and of itself. Even if you're really successful, how much, I don't know, you're not going to turn a thousand tables or anything. So it went really well, I imagine, for all of 2019. You felt good. You felt like, wow, cash flow is great. Like, tell me what was going on for you. Yeah, I mean, our margins are small in general in the, in the restaurant business. And I always tell people, like, you, you, don't, you get in this because you love this. You don't, it's not because you're going to be, you know, retiring at 45. I mean, it's, you have to love taking care of people and like cooking amazing food, which I love to do all those things, right? Um, mm-hmm. But you're exactly right. It was very busy. And even in the beginning before the Times Review, it was very busy. But we were so nervous about opening a restaurant just based on, you know, food from Emilia Romagna that like maybe a lot of people didn't know about that wasn't overly gussed up with a lot of herbs and, and different sauces and, you know, things that maybe people are more accustomed to in a, a, Italian food in the States. So, we just, I guess, underwrote really conservatively when we put the business plan together and just trying to, we, if, listen, if we we're going to fail this thing, we we're going to fail doing something really small where I was there every single day, of which I worked 115 days in the beginning straight. Mm. Um, I mean, I've never been so tired in my life, right? But you're working on adrenaline at that point. We were incredibly busy um, and people took to it and, and, and we didn't even know Pete Wells was, was coming in. We didn't even know he was here until the last we heard, like he may have been here on the last, he does three visits. He may have been here on the last visit and everyone's nervous for the Times Review, right? Because that's, right. that's the big gig. But we were just, it was humbling, Jill, without question. I, I, we never expected. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so now here's my question for you. 
You mm-hmm. start this year, you start 2020. Life's good, right? <laughs> yeah, First couple of months, even though it's, you know, whatever, it's winter in New York. This is perfect food, by the way. You know, for anyone listening, this is like the best winter food. It's the best summer food. It is the best food I've ever had in Italy. Okay. So what happened to you in March? The pandemic hits. What did you have to do? Did you lay everybody off? Did you furlough people? What happened? We didn't let anyone, we didn't lay anyone off, to be honest with you, Joe. We, we like immediately, we closed down for three days. We immediately pivoted to delivery of which we put all of our dishes out. We put them all into go boxes with help from our suppliers. And then we let them sit there for an hour. And then we tasted them all afterwards. And we were like, what travels the best? We got rid of 50% of our menu, 60% wow. of our menu because they didn't travel well. Right. And then just, and just opened for delivery. And then, and we got help from a lot of our guys, but the interesting thing is, that, Joe, we didn't lay anyone off. Um, but mm. if they wanted, if they didn't want to come to work, and we said, okay, fine, we'll we'll you know specifically say you know we can lay you off, so you can take unemployment if you don't feel safe, and that's no problem. But everyday wellness checks, I mean, every day we had checklists of like temperatures. I mean, washed hands, it was incredible. I mean, but we have such a tight knit crew here, mm. um, we didn't have any issues um, mm. with COVID. Thank God. I mean, how many employees do you have? And they're all, and they've been working the whole time. I'm just so amazed by that. So tell me, how many folks do you have there? Yeah, we had, I mean, in the beginning, we had, you know, I want to say 40 um, employees front and back of the house. Mm-hmm. But we actually, half of them ended up not coming back in terms of the back of the front of the house. And then like a couple from the back of the house, everyone else, a large portion stayed. And so when we pivoted to delivery, um, obviously our fixed costs uh, went down, our variable costs went down. And we were able to somewhat cash flow with like our wine inventory that we had down there anyways. We weren't purchasing any wine. We were selling it at decent price points, but we were busy in delivery because we were one of the only guys doing it. And we're mm. lucky to have a nice reputation going into it, um, which, you know, thank God. Do you guys own the building that you're in or are you renting? So I learned this from my dad a long time ago um, when he came to the, to, the, to the States. They ended up a big problem with their first landlord, of which their first, they had restaurants in Dallas, um, of which are called Ferraris. And and their first landlord was very tough on them and then pretty much inflated them out of their spot. So they said, Stefano, there's only one thing I can recommend is just try and find a way to buy um, mm. the building. So I was lucky enough that that my partner who um, we met in California together, he wanted to do something similar. So I said, OK, just let's figure out how to find a way to, to purchase. So we just got a, a really inexpensive building on what we think is a great block. And that's that's helped. Well, wasn't that fun? I mean, come on. First of all, he's got a great Italian accent. And I'm hoping just talking to him will rub off and allow me to become a better cook of Italian fare. I know that Mark is very interested in that as well. So if you've got a financial question, don't hesitate. We're not going to answer it tomorrow, but we are answering all throughout the week. Send us an email. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. And don't forget to wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing, and please, please lift somebody up today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 